The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moore, for this special NBA Playoff Preview Edition. Great to have you join us. Thanks for making us part of your day. For today's episode, I've got Preston Johnson and Justin Fan. Preston Johnson can be found on ESPN's Daily Wager. He's found on Twitter, at SportsCheeta, and is one of the best NBA betting minds in the business. Along with Justin Fan, another of the greatest NBA betting minds in the business. Justin is obviously with us over at the Action Network Uh, a supreme scientist over at the Action Network with Fantasy Labs and his special insider tool, the Fan Wagon, as Chad Millman is always talking about for some reason because he loves puns. They are two of the sharpest minds, I think, in NBA betting, and I wanted to really get some real insight, not on the specific series from a narrative sense, but from a betting perspective to look at where you're going to find the best prices, how do you bet these series, what are the numbers that you're looking at, The NBA playoffs are here, and that's what you should bet on because they're awesome right now. Going into next week, you got time to chew on these numbers and look at what the best value is. We're reacting to some of the early lines that came out from PointsBet, DraftKings, and FanDuel. There'll be other lines up tomorrow, and we'll have complete analysis on the Action Network, which you can find on our app, which you should download immediately because it's going to tell you the when the odds change immediately. You can get notifications, updates on your bets, track them, probabilities, all of our analysis, it's an awesome, versatile tool for any gambler. You need to check it out. Download our app today. Okay, I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Preston Johnson and Justin Fan. The NBA is back. Can we get serious now? So let's bet the bubble. It may sound easy, but it will test your head and your mind and your brain, too. All right, so we have all eight playoff series set. We do not have prices on everything as of yet. Those will probably be out by the time that you are listening to this podcast. But we do have some early lines that we want to look at. I want to go over some of the series prices for the first round, impressions, general betting strategies for the NBA playoffs in 2020 during this restart inside this bubble. So, Preston, let's start with you. Do you typically do a lot of series betting, or do you just stick to game by game? I do bet a lot of series stuff, whether it be just for a team to win, uh, yes or no, money line prices, or the actual series game props are really fun, right? Like plus two and a half games won or, or minus one and a half games won. The reason I think that there, there's always like value is value, right? So like if I have a value in a game tonight, I'm going to bet it. If I have value in a series, I'm going to bet it. The difference or the preference for series for me compared to game to game is just the limited variance. So like if you think even like a college football season win total, uh, I love a total over the course of 12 games. That variance right within 12 games is a lot less than anything can really happen in one game. So whether, you know, I think there's an edge in one game, I'm going to be betting those and know that long-term, you know, I'm probably going to be profitable with that. If I can get a seven game NBA series and a similar edge in a series of seven games, where I think the more common or expected outcome will occur over seven games than just one because again anything can really happen in one game uh, then I'm going to go that route so I do end up betting the series game to game as well 
but I hone in and I fire pretty heavily on the series prices, uh, the plus games, minus games. There's some other props over unders as far as total games. Like, you know, it doesn't matter who wins. If it's like a close series, it's about a pick them. You think it's going to go six or seven games. You can bet over five and a half games played. There's, there's a ton of options uh, and they definitely can offer value. Yeah. The, the over, the over under games played in the wins. I think that those are, those are really tempting bets to get a little bit more value, especially on some of these where the odds are so, so tough on the favorites. Uh, Justin, sure. do you tend to go, do you like series prices? Do you get in on, on these kind of things or do you focus on the futures and the in-game betting? I usually like the, uh, the plus minus games. If I'm looking at the series prices, like you said, the, I know some of these series prices, the Bucks are minus 10,000. Um, the Raptors are minus 3,300. Like you get just really aggressive pricing for the favorites to where in a lot of cases are not, there's not a lot of value. Um, there's some interesting, really interesting uh, uh, series though. to look at pricing, uh, you know, like the Nuggets and the Jazz in the first round, really looking at that uh, Rockets Thunder price when it does uh, come out. Um, so yeah, those are two, I think I'm going to look at in particular, but usually I'm, I'm probably going to look at, um, the plus or minus games and then just uh, bet game to game mainly. All right. So let's start actually with the first game of the NBA playoffs, which is going to be nuggets jazz because bearing it at 11 o'clock on a Monday is the furthest that the NBA could bury it without putting it on true TV. <laughs> um, so the jazz at DraftKings are plus 135 nuggets are minus 177. And Preston, you were telling me before we went on air that you think that based off of the opening line, which is there's a line at FanDuel, uh, where that's got the uh, Nuggets minus three and a half at open, you mm-hmm. think that that one minus 177 is a little short? Sure. So regardless of whether or not you like the Nuggets or the Jazz to win the series, I personally, we can get into the details, like the Nuggets, and I think minus 177 is short. But just look at the FanDuel opener here, game one. Now, it is a FanDuel opener, right? It's not the most efficient number or price we're going to get. But just these are things you need to be looking at and considering. Look, they're minus three and a half. I'm a three and a half point favorite in the NBA historically wins just over 60% of the time. It's about a money line of 60%. You can run the 60% in a series, the likelihood that a 60% probability team, because we have neutral court, there's not going to be home road splits. It's going to be a best of seven where barring injury, the team, and in this case, the Nuggets, win each game about 60% of the time. Over the course of seven games, I just ran it, it's about 69.5% that they win the series. You break that down, it's like a minus 230s, minus 240 price, and it's only minus 177. So in theory, if you think the minus 3.5 is about a fair line in a one game against the Jazz, assuming they get some health back, I don't know, Will Barton still questionable, Gary Harris is still questionable, I don't want to rush to bet it for some reasons, but if they're looking like they're going to be healthy because they were playing so well despite the lack of health in this bubble restart. Uh, I actually really like the Denver side. MPJ obviously flourished. Looks like he finally made an official leap and he can be a secondary score or their main score maybe at some point, even if it comes down to it. And the Jazz just kind of have been a mess and they're not very deep, which is like the opposite of Denver. Uh, I don't know if I can trust them without Bogdanovich. They haven't played well in the bubble either. So uh, I like the Nuggets. I'm going to see, wait and hear about the injuries. You might have some info there, Matt, as far as where they're at. It was good to see Jamal Murray back. But even just comparing kind of game one prices to series prices, where should these be? There's going to be inefficiencies, especially if you're able to shop around. So I think probably the, the best intel I can give is that I don't expect Harris back, at least for the start of the playoffs. I don't think he'll be available. Okay. Um, I think Barton will probably be available at least by game two. Uh, but that's a guess on my part. That's not hard, based on any hard sure, intel. Sure. That's me in, me intuiting things from that I've heard and, and that have been said, that I, I am making a, an educated guess that 
game two for Barton would probably be the earliest I'd see him. And he hasn't played with the team at all since the scrimmages. So who knows how that's going to look? I would assume he comes off the bench. My understanding is MPJ is starting no matter what going forward. Um, but he might just slide into the two spot for Torrey Craig. Um, so Justin, based on that series price, I'm kind of thinking that the over under on wins and we're having to project these cause these aren't out yet, but that kind of indicates that they think it's going to go longer and the jazz have at least a good shot of winning the series. So that, that might be one where actually the nugget side, if you like it is going to be probably more valuable and, and a better price than maybe getting. Cause you may have, I would bet that, or I would think that the, you know, games won by jazz would be, you know, two and a half for an over under. I don't think there's much value there. Am I off on that? I mean, I'm really liking the jazz in this series and, Ooh. I actually, no, I like the Nuggets in this series. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, so the bench play is the biggest difference for me. I mean, this this front court, especially you hone in on a second unit front court, Mason Plumley and Jeremy Grant versus uh, Niang and Tony Bradley. Like that's a huge difference for me and in, in, in their kind of expected plus minus when, when those units are on the court together. And, you know, we, we've seen uh, Denver really have to lean heavily on their depth so far without Gary Harris, without Will Barton, without Jamal Murray at points. And that's been a good thing. Like we've seen really good things from PJ Dozier. Um, you know, MPJ has been great. Jeremy Grant has been great, you know, and, they, and they've gotten good play from like Monte Morris, Bull Bull at points. So th- this team has been equipped to play shorthanded and anything you kind of throw in there, you get a couple of games of Will Barton. That's just a bonus. So um, I, I feel really confident. We've seen a couple of games from Jamal Murray so far. He got up to like 39 in that double overtime game. So he's, you know, you kind of off that minutes limit um, and, and MPJ's just emergence has been phenomenal for this team. So um, I, I just feel really great about their chances. I think the the jazz step is still, it's their biggest issue uh, without Bogdanovich. So um, those bench, those bench minutes are going to continue to be a problem. Yeah. And I, I wind up, I am going to pay attention to what that the games one price goes. I actually will probably also look at total games played. I don't trust Denver to put them away. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things is like, even if Denver goes up three, one, I'm probably betting the jazz and the elimination game game. Kind of like San Antonio last year. You never really felt like they'd lose to San Antonio and then it goes seven games anyway. Right. It's just yeah. like, they just, they can't, they don't, I don't know that I haven't seen them have a gear where they just slam the door. I, and they, they swear they have it. Like that's, <laughs> this has been the thing I've talked about this a lot on locked on nuggets is like the a podcast I'm on a lot is Denver the entire year has been like whenever Malone has screeched and hollered about their defense or about their effort, they've continuously been like, yeah, yeah, we know how long the season is now we're playing for this time. But part of me is just like, yeah, but you've been the team that sucks on defense for like four months now. <laughs> like at some point that's just who you are. So I, I do think that the jazz hang around. I love the matchup for the nuggets is kind of the thing. So like, I am going to look to bet them like this three and a half line. I'm going to go ahead and get in on because I think I like Denver very much in the series game by game. I, I think Jokic does very well versus Gobert. He lost him in the last game of the season last year. He hasn't lost to him since, and he's absolutely flambeed him. Um, I like MPJ versus them. I don't like, part of it was the jazz. If you look at that last game, the double overtime game, the Jazz made an unreasonable amount of threes, just incredible three point shooting. He still lost in double overtime. Like that's a really bad sign that you can light up a bad nuggets defense for that many threes. When you're a Utah team that doesn't have that much firepower, good shooting team, 
but you can create that many threes and he still can't get it done. Yeah. I think that that's really concerning. They hit 22 threes in that double overtime game and Denver shot nine for 37. They only shot 24% from three. And that was Jamal Murray's first game back too. And he was limping noticeably and they still came up short. So, I mean, just look at that game. It's, it's kind of concerning for, for, uh, for the jazz when their offense got, gets hot, their offense, you know, p- puts up a 112 offensive rating and still comes up short. Um, I, where does this offense come from this team that we've seen from the Utah? They've been, their offense has been so, so bad. Generally um, they've struggled to really create consistent offense. It's been a lot of Donovan Mitchell. ISO, Donovan Mitchell creating and everybody else kind of staying around Preston. How are you feeling about this jazz offense in this matchup? So this will never happen, but if I'm really thinking about now, this will probably be the case, maybe game three, if Denver goes up to oh, but like Matt mentioned, Jokic is kind of torn Gobert up. He's the opposite matchup for Gobert where Jokic can actually make a difference from behind the three-point line, whether he's shooting, passing, setting screens, take Gobert out of the paint. Like at some point, if the Jazz are struggling to score too, and Jokic is you know crushing Gobert, like do you just go small? Now, what was nice last year at times, you know, against Houston, especially you know Utah could play favors at the five. Well, they don't even have him. They have Nyang and Bradley. Like, it's, like they're just not deep in any regard. And if Gobert's strengths are basically you know, thwarted by what Denver can do. Yeah, it's a great question. They're going to have to try to outscore them, and then they're just not a team you can trust to score. And so is Conley going to, you know, play like he did years ago and try to kind of be more of a score? Can Ingles be that guy? If they're just, I don't think either of those guys are the answer. So I just think, yeah, matchup-wise, Denver really has quite the advantage. And uh, I'd be surprised if the series price stayed in that 170s range. Uh, I'd expect it to come up some for sure. So let's go to Rockets Thunder, which is obviously compelling on – just so many reasons. Chris Paul versus mm-hmm. the team that he was on last year. And these two teams have always been kind of like star crossed a little bit. Um, just, their fates are very much intertwined. So it's a narratively compelling matchup for the media. I think immediately everyone that's pretty smart in terms of analysis looked at the value of, are going to be looking for the value on the Thunder. Uh, so it, it opened. Uh, I think Thunder th- plus 320 at points bet. That's down to 225 after the ru- the Russ news. That's the only line that we have up right now. And obviously, like I would expect probably, I, I would expect maybe the Vegas number to be a little bit shorter probably uh, on the Thunder because they know that the Thunder are probably going to get bet pretty heavy. Is there, I, you have to make the Rockets the favorite. I can't see any scenario where they can't make the Rockets the favorite. Does that implicitly put value on OKC, Justin? Absolutely. Um, and you look at the reports on Westbrook so far, they're, they're expecting him to miss probably a minimum of two games, if not three, if not four. So um, it doesn't look like they'll have him for the, the majority of the series. And it just puts a huge load on James Harden. And if you're OKC, why are you not doubling, you know, loading up on him and making the other guys beat you? It's a pretty obvious strategy. And how confident are you and Eric Gordon to be that guy that steps up? I think he's really that X factor for the Rockets in the series. He just came back from that injury. He's looked pretty spry. He's looked good. Um, but we've seen Eric Gordon struggle uh, for large periods of time to, to consistently hit threes. So um, they're going to need him pretty heavily in this series. And the, the X factor too, Dennis Schroeder just got back to the Orlando campus um, a couple days ago. They'll have that deadly fourth quarter lineup um, with Schroeder in that mix that leads the league in net rating they'll have that at the disposal they haven't had that during the restart so I, I lean OKC uh, pretty heavily in this series I've been on the Rockets as that like wild card in the in the rock and the in the Western Conference I have that 14 to 1 I like that they're a team that's really built on variance they're 
they kind of went the the logical extreme and the, they're a team that can shoot 50 63s in a game and if they hit anywhere close to 40 percent they're in or winning pretty much any game so um it's just really unfortunate for them how things have kind of turned out with westbrook um, pj tucker got banged up the other day like the health has not been good at all for this team so little snake bitten so that's why i'm definitely starting on the, with the with the with the thunder just waiting for a uh, for number to come out so preston i mean i think the value that he has to be on OKC because uh, this is a situation where my thought was going into the playoffs that the Rockets, I mean, this is a back before they even restart happened is I was like, okay, I'm probably going to be looking for the Rockets in a situation in which they're an underdog, but if they're a favorite, I go the other way. Like the sure. variance becomes like a liability when you're the team that's trying to maintain a higher level. And I feel like OKC's floor is pretty high. One thing I think is surprising. A lot of people is like the OKC's offense is, is, really good like they're solid on defense but they're and a pretty effective offense as well with Paul and Shagos Alexander and Gallo and having Steven Adams to finish the Lou Dort injury I think hurts a little bit but he is the news was good on him it's a knee sprain so if the series goes long he might be back by the end of it is there anything besides just thunder has to be the play that you're looking at when you go into this I don't think so. I'm, I'm on board with basically everything that Justin said. One, because I need the Rockets futures. I'm on board with the Rockets and the high variance approach. And this matchup is just pretty brutal. Then you have Russ that's going to probably is going to miss a few games. Then on top of it, like just the price wise, like they're, you know, the early markets plus 320. I've seen also plus 290 for the Thunder. I mean, they're plus one and a half in this first game line. It's an early line, it's an opener. But this is very close to you know what they're saying is a pick 'em game on a neutral, and these are all seven neutral games. Again, you can get three to one. This team wins four out of seven. And then to his point about how they can probably double Harden, make someone else beat them when Russ is off the floor in these games. Even if they're a single and isoing on Harden, and they decide not to do that, Chris Paul probably one of the better options you can have. Shai Gilgis Alexander is another good option. You can even throw Roberson on them for a stretch if you want to just go all out for three to four minutes at some point. They have options, and then obviously having Adams as a help guy isn't the you know, a, a bad thing either. So I think they're matchup wise, pretty much perfect. And on top of it, I think they're tied for second in opponent three point percentage. We know the Rockets like to blast off a ton of threes. Uh, them and Boston are just a few decimal points of a percent behind uh, Toronto, who leads the NBA in opponent three point percentage. So just the way they defend and and whatnot, uh, you know, they're closing out hard, and that's just one of their advantages. On top of it, so definitely the Thunder in that three to one range. Uh, it's just kind of crazy high, assuming you know Russ is going to be missing games. We gave him some love too. I want to give a little bit more love to Darius Baisley because his emergence just adds a whole different wrinkle, especially if Lou Dort has to miss time. I play a little backup five when they've been short with, without Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel in the, in, the, in the restart. And he's shooting, you know, 47 from three since the restart, hitting like two and a half per, a game. I mean, that fourth quarter the other night when they made that furious comeback, he had, you know, 16 points, I think like on six shots and four for four from three. I mean, he, his emergence is, is pretty underrated and, and gives him a, a, some, a nice little wrinkle off the bench. Love the Baisley love. That's what people come to the Action Network for, is the Darius, <laughs> Darius Baisley That's right. So this one feels very much like this is the exact kind of series where I have to tell myself not to go near it because I'm going to talk myself into the underdog, and I need to not do that. I'm not talking heat pacers. Okay, the East 4-5. Justin, as the king of mm. injuries, are the most impactful thing to, to jump on news is, is how you navigate the bets tj warren has minor plantar fasciitis which doesn't make any sense because it's kind of a binary thing either you have it or you don't it's painful the only way for it to get better is to rest it can't do that he was liquid fire all throughout the restart this problem you know gets to him 
Sabonis is not expected back, but it also hasn't been ruled out. They've looked really good in the restart. They're plus 170. I have to lay 213 with Miami for a, a better three-point shooting team. Help me figure this one out. So I, my first glance and thought about this series is outside of TJ Warren potentially being somewhat injured or hampered. But, I mean, the Pacers are overvalued at this point. TJ Warren, there's just no way he doesn't come back to earth regardless of injury. You don't have Sabonis. He was kind of keeping them through this phase of the restart, playing at a level that's just higher than they're going to play. So everyone's perception of Indiana in this restart, I think, is just a little bit kind of uh, fantasy land. Like, I mean, are you really relying on this version of Oladipo? If TJ Warren is not the same TJ Warren, on top of that, he maybe is playing injured now. Brogdon's not really a guy you can rely on yet. I, I think it's Miami. And so if you're kind of worried about talking yourself into the dog, I, I think Miami gets it done. I think when it's all said and done in some of these, especially like these first round matchups that you want to say are semi-close, just taking the best player in the series is probably not the bad option. So if Jimmy Butler is able to just kind of do his thing and, and handle it, plus if all those shooting weapons, I'm not sure the Pacers can keep up in that regard either with just the amount of like, just the math problem of the heat yeah. hitting and shooting more threes and the Pacers are going to be attempting and making it just, unless TJ Warren is doing a seven to 10 from three thing, which just, it's not going to happen over the course of a series, especially in a playoff series when teams are going to be like, okay, you're the only guy making shots. We will make sure you don't shoot anymore. Even the other night, he had zero in the second half. I think the last half that he played, um, maybe it was kind of having to do relation to this injury. Regardless, I think it's Miami. I'm not sure the line's necessarily short. I think anything around minus 200 is fair from what I have. I have the Heat winning the series with no Sabonis. 68% of the time, it's basically right on. I don't trust the health of the Pacers. Like Their, their main guys have all been banged up. TJ Warren now, uh, Oladipo, Brogdon, they've all popped up in the injury report pretty much every game so far. Um, they're just kind of managing them at this point. And this Heat team, I think they'll come in pretty healthy. Um, Goran Dragic looks better. Uh, and, and Jimmy's going to be motivated in that matchup against TJ Warren. I, I don't I don't think this TJ Warren like aberration where he looks like Kevin Durant is, is going to last, unfortunately, in a seven-game series against the likes of uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, um, Igudala, a really solid Heat defensive team. And I, I trust the Heat's depth a little bit more, too. I think <laughs> Tyler Hero's really emerged and been really solid, had to step in as a starting point guard a little bit when Kendrick Nunn was out of the bubble. Um, they got, you know, Igudala's given him, him some good minutes. Olenek's given him some good minutes. So um, I, I like this the, the starters and the bench uh, more uh, from this Heat team. So um, I'm with Preston. I'm probably not going to bet the price. All right, let's do some rapid fire uh, on some of the remaining series uh, to take us out here. We'll go back and forth. I'll ask Preston one and then Justin one, and we'll go back and forth. So uh, Preston, rapid fire. Am I right that I will be getting good value if I bet Lakers in four? Against two. Either one. By the way, the FanDuel opener right now, game one of this play-in, minus seven is bad. If anyone's listening to this, you can still get plus seven on Memphis. Take that. I will definitely have a ton of interest in Portland, like plus two and a half series games. I think they can definitely win two games. Okay, the Lakers, like everyone knows, their offense was the worst in the bubble. Their net efficiency was second worst. It's 21 of 22 teams. I think we even mentioned this when we did uh, some some stuff together last week. Like, I, it's so annoying and as a Lakers fan to say, no Avery Bradley, no Rajon Rondo, because those names shouldn't matter. But you're going to put KCP's their their best defender at point guard now, or Quinn Cook, or it's probably Alex Caruso. Like these guys are going to defend Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum. It's just it's going to be hard to do. Now on the flip side, you have LeBron going up against Melo, Herzonia, Gary Trent Jr. He should eat in that regard. 
But if there's a team also that can kind of handle Anthony Davis to some extent with Nurkic, Whiteside, it's probably Portland. I think the matchups there, Dame's going to probably win at least one game by himself. Can they get one more? I think it's possible. Uh, I think my, my true line for the series is like Lakers minus 378. I think it was at 79% that they win it. Uh, so I think the series price will probably be somewhere in that range. Uh, but I, I, I'm hoping for some reason that it comes out short, that people play this narrative that Portland's going to be tired because of this run, this stretch. They look tonight, you know, they look tight tonight in that second half against the Brooklyn Nets. Then the play-in games. I hope I hope we get a cheap price on Portland. I want to back them. It's definitely not going to be four games, so I definitely bet against that. Justin, are the Clippers right now in their first round series versus the Mavericks overvalued, undervalued, or properly valued? Properly valued. The Mavs, I don't like this match. I, I would have much preferred them to play the Lakers if I was them. And I don't think they match up well um, in this one at all. And the Clippers should be getting all their guys back in time for, for this series. Um, bench bomb, Montrez Harrell should be back. Patrick Beverly should be back. I'm probably going to continue to look at the Clippers in this one. Going back to Preston's thing real quick. I am actually on the other side of that. I would like the Lakers. We've been talking all this restart about how bad the Lakers offense is. You know what the cure for that Lakers offense is, is this Blazers defense. And this Blazers defense that got cooked today by the Nets, that Gary Trent Jr., my boy, was repeatedly getting rinsed by Karis LeVert. They couldn't stop anybody. And LeBron and AD are I, they, they can both average 30 in this series, like pretty easily. Just I think the Lakers give up one game just because of Dame. He might go, you know, 50, 60, one game and just steal one. But I think this Lakers offense turns the corner and, and, this, and this Blazers defense is the reason why. They got to make threes. Dame had 42 tonight, but he was quiet in the first half. The Nets basically ran out of energy to contest him and they weren't as dialed in on guarding him. All you, like, you have to guard him 45 feet. Plus. Like you have to pick him up a half court yeah. the way you do stuff now. But if you put two on ball, you really can negate a lot of what he does. If you make it into, we're going to make CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony and Gary Trent beat us. That, that can work versus the nets. It can work versus the Spurs. It can work versus it'll work versus the Grizzlies. Uh, but I don't think it's going to work versus the Lakers. So I'm, I'm going to be looking for, I'm going to be looking closely exactly what the numbers come down for Lakers and four and Lakers and five and see what, where the value is um, on that. Preston, we talked about this a little bit before we came on. You think the Ben Simmons injury takes out all the value from the Sixers, despite all their potential, and despite the fact that the Celtics are throwing Tice, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, and Time Lord Robert Williams, and Enos Kanter on Embiid. You still think that the value remains on Boston? I don't know if I'm just jumping ship because I've been on record all year long saying I loved Philadelphia's prospects at the prices, the futures being offered of winning the East, winning it all. And now I just, they were so pitiful defensively in the restart. Then Ben Simmons gets hurt. He's going to be out. Embiid even got banged up, missed a few games. I don't know if I'm just chickening out now. Uh, but Boston, they look just as good as anybody in the entire bubble. I think they had the number one net efficiency, at least going into the last game or yesterday's games. Uh, and when you look at just, I mean, they have the best point differential outside of the Bucks in the East. They actually have the best point differential in the West, too, higher than Clippers and Lakers. And they've played a softer schedule than those teams. They're a team I think just kind of overlooked. And their one weakness, the glaring weakness, is absolutely the fact that they don't have rim protection. They don't have a big for guys like Giannis and Embiid. I think they're a great matchup for Toronto, actually, but they wouldn't play Toronto until the next round. So can the Sixers, can Embiid hang around? Yes. I think the Celtics deserve to probably be in that minus 300s range of that early opener we saw earlier today as far as the series is concerned. They're minus four currently in this first game. Who is the guy outside of Embiid that steps up? They paid Tobias Harris like he's going to be the guy. 
they paid Al Horford kind of like he could be a second or third guy, and now he doesn't even work on the same floor as, as Embiid. So it's just a mess. I'm kind of off the Sixers' chances with Ben Simmons. It could have maybe worked. Their offense was a lot better when it was Milton. Ben Simmons at the four, Horford off the bench. Their O rating was like 118. Then Simmons gets injured. Defensively, they've been bad. I just can't buy it. I think Celtics and Brad Stevens get the Justin, what is an unreasonable amount for me to put on the Nets in game one versus the Raptors? <laughs> I don't think that'll hold true. I'm, I think this is a sweep, honestly. Um, this Raptors team. E2, you, you abandoned ship on me. Come on. <laughs> one in seven. Even the one Raptors team that won it all one. last year lost the first game to Orlando, yes. didn't they? The best team in Raptors history look, lost game one to Orlando. Look, I don't think anybody's taken this Nets team like super lightly. We saw what they did today, pushing in our, you know this Portland team to the brink. Karis LeVert. Won five games in the bubble. I yeah. know. Karis LeVert. He had a good shot. If he didn't, if he just tried to drive it and, and pull from the mid range, like he had success all game mm-hmm. instead of pulling that, I, I think he would have would have had a better shot at it. But um, this Toronto team, like defensively, is dominant. I mean, the second best defense, their net rating is one hundred six. Toronto has been at one hundred one eight. Like by their first by far by a huge margin. They got length on length on length. They can switch everything. They'll let they'll let you shoot threes, but they'll be selective in letting who um, you know who they want shoot threes, and they close super quick. It's just it's crazy to watch this defense. They're going to be playing like a seven eight man rotation, big minutes for all their main guys, you know. And um, yeah, I don't think this this net team has enough to just kind of sneak up on them and steal a game. What price would you pay for a sweep? I think you, you might. I think true line where I have it right now is like minus 155, 156 range. So would you lay minus 150s Raptor sweep for up? I think so. Okay. So you think maybe up to like minus 200, then you'd probably pass. But anything, because they're going to be a favorite to sweep, but I don't think it should be too big of a favorite. Yeah, I would probably cut it off at like 180, 175. I'll probably look okay. to, to, to buy anything lower than that. As these series evolve, and so if you see a team that's favored and that you – really liked or that was going to present another tough matchup for a team you didn't like, et cetera. And they go down three, one or three, two in a series. If, if something surprising occurs, do you guys look to get ahead of the futures market by betting then, or do you wait until the actual series are done? So you don't jump too early. How do you evaluate when to adjust for series or do you at all get on futures once the playoffs are, are in motion? One of my biggest bets ever was warriors rockets. Uh, a couple of years ago when Chris Paul pulled his hammy, I like unloaded on the Warriors to win that series. Uh, I think they were like slightly plus money because they were down. I think it was three, two. two. Yeah. Three, two, three, I think. Two. Okay. Um, and, yeah. Me and Pete both got like heavy. So I think there's definitely opportunities when there's, when there's injuries and in this bubble, there might be situations that come up where guys have to unexpectedly miss a game or two. So um, that's something that I'm going to keep an eye on and be very aggressive to pursue and, and to jump on uh, when, when those opportunities present itself. I think that's why not to just beat this down again, but kind of jumping on the fact that Russell Westbrook's going to miss at least two games, it seems like, and the Thunder are three to one to win this series. And potentially you could get like plus two and a half games or something around even money. Uh, that just is crazy to me. So I think that's kind of the first one to jump on that maybe really hasn't set in in this early market uh, is the fact that Russ just isn't going to be playing and OKC can defend the Rockets and Harden to some extent. But yeah, absolutely. There's definitely futures to be had. I mean, even the Raptors down to over the Bucks, I didn't bet it. I wish I had. Uh, they were 25 to one to, to win it all when they were down 2-0. Like that's just another example of a 25 to one that cashed, you know, six games later or six wins later excuse me, eight wins. I can't add four plus four. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely going to be opportunities there. And then the bubble kind of addition 
whatever could happen. Uh, it'll be very interesting how the markets adjust. But usually, like, if it's going to your exact question, if it's like a team's up 3-1 or 3-2, the futures markets will definitely kind of just assume they're going to win the series. So I would rarely rush to like bet that team. It's not going to drop much more if they do finish the series off. What I would do at that point is if you like the team that's down 1-3 or 2-3, for whatever reason, like the Raptors down 0-2 to the Bucks, those teams are going to be just far the other way because no one's betting the team that's about to get eliminated. So in those cases, I think you can find value on those teams that are down potentially to win the series outright or go further. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and bet Thunder plus 3,000 to win the Western Conference. Okay, got it. All right. (laughs) That'll wrap it up for the Action Network podcast. Thanks for joining us. My thanks to Preston and Justin for their brilliant insights. Make sure to download our app. It's got the up-to-date odds, lines, our picks, analysis on each game, each series, doing lots of content, great stuff from Justin Fan. Awesome stuff all throughout. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We really appreciate that. And we'll talk to you guys again next time on the Action Network podcast. We're finished talking.